Blog Talk Radio. I hate when my husband works late, being at home, alone at night, hearing every little creak. It's uncomfortable. I thought I was just being paranoid. Then my girlfriend said she felt the same way when her husband travels. Until they had what she calls their Vivint Talk. Vivint. My friend calls it the best home security system out there. It's super easy to use and fit right into our budget. And I love my video cameras. I can see what's going on in and around my home right from my computer or smartphone. It's actually kind of funny. I told my husband, if you're going to be traveling or working late, I'm getting Vivint. And it's made all the difference. Call now. Not only is installation free, you'll get up to $1,500 worth of Vivint security cameras and equipment today at no charge. Seriously, $1,500. Just pay as little as $99 for activation. Call 877-776-3430. Restrictions apply. 48 or 60 month agreement at minimum $49.99 per month required. Not available in Louisiana. See Vivid.com for license numbers. Blog Talk Radio. Coming to you since 1997 on KKUP Radio with over 250 guests and still going strong in their 12th year of weekly broadcasting, the International Taz and Paula Show brings to you expansive, engaging, and groundbreaking intensity on radio and now on the Internet airwaves today. Listen live every Thursday or visit Embracing Mother Earth's archives, exclusive articles, Ask questions and receive actual answers from guests anytime at TazAndPaulaShow.com. Taz and Paula's special guests are experts coming from all walks of life, energizing our lives with a passion that inspires and teaches us with each of their compelling personal life journeys, with roots from ancient wisdom and bridging it with modern science. We hope today's show touches the wisdom of your heart. And now... Taz and Paula. Legendary sound healer, master of voice, and an angelic medium. Stuart Pierce was the head of voice at the Weber Douglas Academy of London, helped pioneer Shakespeare's Globe Theater between 1997 through 2010, and coached Simon Callow, Hugh Bonneville, Vanessa Redgrave, Margaret Thatcher, and Diana, Princess of Wales. And listen to this. At an early age of 12 or 13, he began to interpret sound, what he was hearing in his soul. You are now listening to the International Taz and Paula Show. I'm Taz. And I'm Paula. It was during the harmonic convergence of 1987 and several years after of using his abilities to perceive the supernatural as a medium or seer that Stuart Pierce visited the world's heart chakra energy center, Glastonbury Tour, and experienced the divine transmission of 12 angels. And through this gracious teaching, this, these extraordinary light beings appeared as orbs gave Stuart a temple of sound healing, which he was progressively brought into creation since the mid-90s. The temple is known as the alchemy of voice. It is the canon of work that evokes the ability to embody knowledge through the medium of sacred voice and completely regards the compassion of the heart as the seat 
of the soul. Yeah. Yes, and even further, the teaching inspires that we each have a unique signature note resonating from the secret chamber of our heart, which creates the song of our soul. Stuart Pierce states, voice alchemy arises from the intelligence and compassion of the heart. And as sound is at the core of creation, the work tunes the personality of the voice with the breath of the soul. Wow, let's investigate that one. Stuart Pierce, we haven't even begun to touch upon your journey today. Your brilliance shines through every inch of the way. We are so honored and excited to have you with us. Welcome. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's just, it's so beautiful to be here with you both and all the listeners. Uh, you know, yes. I'm blushing from what you've just said about me. Well, a little birdie told us that you're going to be in L.A. at the uh, Conscious Life Expo, LA, the LAX Hilton, on February 8th, teaching a workshop, The Angels of Atlantis. And could you explain to us exactly who are the angels of Atlantis? Absolutely. In fact, if I may, I'm going to be giving a lecture at 10 o'clock that morning as well as the workshop at 2. So if anybody Mm -hmm. wants to come along, please do. Well, you know, there I was on August 15, 1987, um, in Glastonbury, which is a wonderful little town in Somersetshire in the U.K., And I was there because a friend of mine had a crystal store and knew that it was a a vastly important festival that many people would arrive at from all over the world. Glastonbury is the heart chakra of the world, as you were just saying. So it's obviously a very powerful earth energy vortices. So I was there because I was really beginning to open up to the multidimensional universe um, during that time. In other words, I was switching back into all of the stuff that I saw as a child where childhood was very much like the um, the experience of the movie The Sixth Sense without the Hollywood gore. And uh, there I was reading for people because many people had arrived and they wanted uh, a degree of direction, an oracular awareness, a vision about what their purpose was because they were feeling so caught up in the, the splendor of what the harmonic convergence was all about, which I can refer to a little bit more fully in a moment. And uh, I felt absolutely exhausted. The energies were so immensely fizzy. So I went and sat on the the hill, which is known as the Tor, T-O-R. And uh, as I sat there meditating, surrounded by thousands of other people um, who had converged on this extraordinary landmark in the UK countryside, as I was meditating, I heard these extraordinary sounds and opened my eyes, thinking, what on earth is that? And hanging in the air in front of me were these 12 very, very large orbs. Um, Orbs were were not unusual to me. I saw them very easily as children, and I knew that they were, as a child rather, and I knew that they were angels. It's just that everybody else said that angels were human beings with wings. So I remained, you know, I I shut up. It was the easiest (laughs) thing otherwise. One (laughs) simply, um, you know, summoned some level of disapprobation in attitude to what, 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 what I was feeling. So there were these 12 orbs, and they spoke to me um, through my higher self, saying, we are the angels of Atlantis, and we're here to encourage you to open up a temple of sound healing and the rest of the information you've already given. So now these 12 
uh, are angels that we know very well. There are one or two that perhaps is slightly unfamiliar, but there is Michael, there is Uriel, there is Gabriel, there is Raphael, there is Metatron. Um, you know, they're, they're very, very well-known archangels. Uh, these beings of light, they come into this configuration, this circle of 12, this ring pass knot, because of the vital information that is being imparted at this time, A, about our species, how we are an intergalactic species that choose to be on planet Earth for the fulfillment of our creative destiny. We are from the source. The source is an infinitely unfolding creative possibility full of love and joy. And we're here to optimize our energy. The difficulty is that we're living a vibration of duality still at this time, and so we get caught in the miasma of shall I, shan't I, will I, won't I, and many of us feel a great deal of negativity and pain, except at this time, as we know, we're going through a vast revolution of consciousness where much of that ceases. And so the summit conference of these angels come for, comes forward to teach us about how we can transcend, how we can ascend, how we can literally become better people, um, principally through the action of their divine communion, meaning that we have become so fixated in a very narcissistic way that we have to do this all alone, because after all, that's been one of the major tendencies in our in our whole beingness, in our psyche, as we determine that we are healthy in our own sovereignty rather than giving all our power to the patriarchy. So the revolution of consciousness as we move away from the patriarchy and balance the, the male, the female, the yang, and the yin, that here we are determining how we can move in our own independent glory and then begin to co-create with one another. Except, as I was just suggesting, you know, we've moved into this narcissistic um, process of we feel that we need to do it all alone. And what the angels are saying is, you don't need to do it all alone. We're here to help if you can just surrender and yield to the wonderment of the way that the angelic communion functions so in a few you know deft strokes there th that's why they're here and that's why they were speaking to me it was that sort of clear yes yes well i love your website uh the angels of atlantis uh mm. because it explains it goes into so much uh depth that talks about each angel and who they are and you mm. have a meditation and for each angel and affirmation and prayer and values. It's just delightful. I mean, it's so Bless great. You. Mm. Mm. Bless you. It's, um, you know, they wanted it to be a temple where we would just simply move into the sanctuary and feel suckered by their extraordinary energy. Whereas, of course, the, the other website, the alchemyofvoice.com, is, is a more of a driving force. So if you like, the angelsofatlantis.com is very yin energy, a quality of receivership. And then the alchemyvoice.com is quite yang, driving forward the, the impulses that they wish to communicate through um, the processes that I'm communicating or evoking. And um, <clears throat> yes, many, many people are beginning to awaken largely as a result of the books that I've written that are doing very well around the world which is wonderful, and the, the two oracles that I brought out that are decks of cards that reflect the angels of Atlantis in their beauty. And therefore, 
become a wonderful tool, a sacred tool to use to affirm whenever we're feeling confused or at odds about a particular action in our lives. If we turn to the oracle, automatically um, the oracle reveals something very remarkable. And in fact, before coming on air, I meditated and um, opened the oracle. And so I, I can always reveal what the cards are saying about our particular interaction today. Oh, and what did it reveal? Oh, do you want to hear immediately? <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> so the first card that appears, how wonderful. The first card is Raziel. Raziel is the angel of the mysteries and so encourages encourages us to really dig deep into our psyche, our intuition, the finer feelings of our being, because feeling obviously is the language of the soul. And the particular attribution to this card is um, to become more aware of our dreams, whether they be waking dreams or nightly dreams, to become aware of the power of prophecy that is set alight by the nature of our dreams. And so obviously, you know, what we're, what our conversation today is really bringing a dream into full existence because we've dreamed about angels fulfilling our lives, helping us to fulfill our lives. And here they are. You know, our dreams are one of the most powerful oracles that we access. And so Raziel is illustrating that messages are filtering through our dream kingdom at this time, which will inevitably help us to the next most important life decision. So the important thing is not to worry if we can't remember our dreams, uh, because our unconscious has them in store uh, within our higher self and within our soul. So all we need to do is perhaps try to keep a dream journal. I think that's what Raziel is saying, so that we can develop the ability to read the metaphors of our dreams. And we, you know, what we're fulfilling at the moment, ladies, isn't it true that we're fulfilling an extraordinary dream because we've been dreaming about these times for many, 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 many years and now we're living them. How are they for you? They're immensely exciting for me. Yes, very exciting. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, you know, here we are about to move into the beginning of February and the L.A., Conscious Life Expo with people coming from all over the United States to celebrate the fact that we're spiritual beings on a human journey, not a human beings on a spiritual journey, which is just absolutely fantastic. So how are your dreams at the moment? Well, they're pretty great. As a matter of fact, yeah. I, I was what you just said this morning, uh, the message for me this morning was, you don't have to do it all by yourself. The angels are there to support you. <laughs> Way! Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. I thought, fantastic. oh, my gosh, what a, what a beautiful message. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I have a, que- I have a question for you because um, you just got back from Egypt. Um, mm. how, how do you work with the angels in Egypt? Because I had a personal experience I wanted to share with you, but... I wanted to see how you worked with the angels while you're in, in Egypt. Oh, I want to hear your experience. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, while I was in Egypt, I would hear these tones. And they, for each temple, it was a different tone. And it was like mm. it was no one else was hearing the tones but me. And um, mm. 
So it just dawned on me while you're talking that that's probably <clears throat> the tones of the angels. Yes, yes, yes. So these um, these twelve beings they come to us as twelve because twelve we're growing up to, we're evolving up to. As understanding that twelve is the universal resonance frequency, so we've become intelligent about the sequence of seven. That seven is the planetary resonance frequency, and now we're beginning to, largely through the development of our eighth chakra, we're opening, which is the universal heart chakra. We're opening to the possibility of the fact that you mean the universe is alive with life, is teeming with life, and um, you know the, the 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 angels suggest to me that there are 24 civilizations, that we are one of 24 civilizations living within the cosmos. So we're beginning to see that actually the stars are alive to us and have a direct effect on our planet. Now, to draw this back to Egypt, the, all of the sacred sanctuaries that, as it were, um, are bejeweled along the string of the, the Nile, the, 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 the Earth's longest river, that all of these sacred sanctuaries are actually built on astrogeographical locations. So they're, they're energy vortices that connect very specifically with the star systems and obviously are overshadowed by particular list, particular stars, the stars from which the angels arrive, they come as this twelve to bring in very powerful radiation from interplanetary intelligence to allow us to awaken to the magnificence and the grandeur of who we are as we begin to recognize that we we we, we are the stuff that dreams are made of. Uh, that we can actually become within our flesh truly optimized beings that resonate the divine in such a way. So, by moving through these extraordinary sacred sanctuaries, um, you've heard the tones that I believe are the frequency of each temple that are then elaborated or elucidated, you know, opened up by the angels as thoughts of God, as messengers of the divine. And so I hear you when you say that, because for the last, well, I've been going to Egypt since I was 16, so that's 40 years. Um, no, more. It's a long time. I'm, I'm 62, so it's nearly, it's nearly 50 years. And um, I've actually, this past retreat that I ran, it was the 50th time that I've been there. And every single time I go into those major temples, I hear the angels singing. Mm. And I've been trying to find a way of recreating the sound of the angels' song, their soul song, their soul call. And so last year I met with one of my, one of my wonderful people in the community here in the United Kingdom, um, who understands the work thoroughly and who is a superb musician. And she and I worked together where she would direct me into creating the sounds. I would feel the frequency, I would see the energy, and then try to make the sounds. And she would direct me and you know, literally just free me up or liberate me. And we created a series of 12 soul calls for each of the angels so that each of the identity of the angels very specifically, although they work as one, becomes rich in sound. And so people may be thinking, well, why is it so significant to feel these tones or sound? Because sound is at the core of creation. Yeah. As we, you know, we hear in every single tradition around the world that all of this came into existence through sound. The spider woman 
that the Anasazi people speak of in the southwest of the United States, the spider woman sang and brought all of creation into existence. And so we each have a note deep within us that is literally the song of our soul, that is the, the essence of our creation. And um, my work is, the work the angels asked me to bring forth, is to introduce everybody to their note, because it seems that we've moved away from it. Wow. So, yes, <clears throat> Egypt is very powerful. Um, for, for me, uh, the, the, the teaching and the experience that I have is that it's a replication of Atlantis, and that Atlantis is crucial for us at this time merely as a model because it was one of the purest civilizations that lived upon this planet. And indeed, for a thousand years in the middle of its chronology, we lived a level of life on this planet where human and divine were completely interconnected. But our power was, so, was such, through a 12-helix DNA, through opening up 12 chakras, that we were able to sustain the what we can see as being fairly violent meteorological circumstances when we move through the evolutionary processes that we move through. And we sustained those meteorological uh, happenings so that I believe there was an energy dome created around the civilization of Atlantis, which meant that lifestyle became sustainable and constantly engaged in the action of joy. Hmm. So I go to Egypt because it reminds me of Atlantis. Um, Stuart, um, you said that you um, were able to see the frequency of sound. And when you hear a note, do you also see the frequency sound? Are you able, when you hear the note, are you able to see the frequency? Can you see the matching of of what you actually hear and then the note itself? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that started as a child when I couldn't read um, because I was seeing sound. And I saw sound as light, emanations of light that would tear through the air. Um, That if, if I was surrounded by love and comfort and succor and empathy and compassion and generosity and fun and delight, that they were the most extraordinary visions of rays of energy passing through the the environment in which I was placed. But I was also aware, acutely aware of a tremendous amount of anger which came from a member of my family. And they were uh, shards of glass, you know, light that looked like jagged glass shooting through the air. Oh, and yeah. when 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 they were um, brought into entrainment, you know, when when intention and sound were one, they would literally become geometries. Yes. Um, and then I grew, and I realized that these are these geometries are what we refer to as being cymatics, which is the cymatic is actually taken from the Greek word cyma, which means wave. That all sound moves in waves. And so we can begin to see, for example, if we place iron filings or, or liquid or indeed rice, you know, dry rice, onto a plate and then pass a frequency, a sound frequency through, suddenly the, the, the rice or the iron filings turn into the most exquisite pattern, mm-hmm. which is, I suppose, in many ways has been mirrored 
through the remarkable work of Masuru Emoto, the, day, the dear late lamented Masuru yeah. Emoto in The Miracles of Water, where he would mm-hmm. show us how water molecules would form into crystals at certain temperature, and then if sound were passed through the water crystals, they would actually take on their own unique geometries. So the, the ability has helped, has, to begin with was very, very difficult because I couldn't read. I couldn't read until I was 14 or 15. And in the post-war years, that, that we had very little understanding about that. We didn't know about dyslexia. It was then defined that I was synesthetic, meaning that I had a crossover of the senses, so I was seeing sound rather than just hearing sound. Um, but then as I grew, I began to use it as a tool. And so it helps me when I'm working with... A, with significant other, that if somebody is finding it very difficult to find their note, or if they're completely out of harmony and producing uh, disease such as cancer, I can see exactly which organ is affected and how the disharmony can be alchemically changed into harmony, which brings about a radical change in the statement that the disease is making on general level through the physiology of the person. So the individual, as a result of that, then cures themselves from whatever the disharmony is, and therefore the dis-ease is often eliminated. Um, you know, there was somebody last year who came on retreat to Egypt with me who had um, breast cancer, and when she returned, she was in complete remission. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So actually, you can hear someone on on the phone and talk with them, and you can you can hear the vibration of their voice. Um, so, do you are you actually able to see the frequencies on the phone um, just because of the sound? Sort of. Um, I, I say sort of because sometimes I can, sometimes I can't. It depends on what interference is there. Because obviously, you know, using using an instrument like a telephone or on through Skype, there's a tremendous amount of electromagnetic in, uh, interference. Mm-hmm. And what I found is that the technology can often affect the subtlety of the way that one sees, you know, uh, w- which is rather like going to the movies. And, you know, one sees somebody's aura in life, but on, uh, on the screen it's very difficult to see the aura because the celluloid of the film in its production changes the energy. That doesn't mean to say that we don't read through the physiology of the actor or the speaker, something very iridescent, but it's very difficult to see the subtle, finer energies. So I prefer to work with people in person. Okay, the frequency of our bodies, is that a combination of sound and, uh, and light? Yes, yes, absolutely, the, the science of sound and light. The angels teach me that light informs and sound transforms. So that's light interesting, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Light informs and sound transforms. So we can use sound and light together to develop a very powerful compendium of information about the way that we can stay sustainably rich within our process rather than swinging through the wave of joy, woe, joy, woe, joy, woe. Um, We can actually reach a very, very high frequency. 
I remember uh, many years ago a group of ultra-terrestrial beings coming with the angels and teaching me. And, um, you know, my dear colleague Tom Kenyon also has a conversation with these beings. They're known as the Hathors. And they stayed with me for about a month teaching me uh, of emotional intelligence because they wanted us to understand that our souls are interwoven with the frequencies of the cosmos and that feeling is the language of the soul, not thinking, but feeling. And their parting gesture to me was, please understand that we have reached a point where our lowest frequency is what you call ecstasy. (laughs) And for us, it's the highest frequency. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? So as we go through the octaves, we, we literally get, as it were, higher and higher and higher. Therefore, we experience more love, more compassion, more empathy, more delight, more ecstasy, more sense of abundance, freedom, and liberation of the ability to fly through the terrain of our consciousness, as well as possibly through the terra firma of our planet. You know, we just go higher and higher and higher. And when we're living through a very low frequency, that's when we become worried and disturbed and depressed. And, um, of course, we know that much of our electromagnetic terrain is affecting us. If there's very positive vibration, we are lifted. And if there's very negative vibration, we're taken down and we start to feel very uncomfortable. Our contemporary lives are rich with this, aren't they? Because we've been encouraged to learn how to be so yang in our processes that by doing, 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 you know, because we're all taught that we have to do, 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 and so we all become great doers. The difficulty is that we become stressed out by doing, 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 because we forget that we're human beings. Um, so I work a lot with individuals in the corporate world who, um, who, who are literally overstretching themselves and sometimes moving towards major physiological complication as a result of so much stress hormone being produced. And if we can move into a greater balance, which is what sound and light can do together, what the angels' teaching can do together, automatically we do be, do be, do be, do. So we become, you see, Scooby-Doo knew all about it. He was very clever. Do be, do be, do. (laughs) Some people become addicted to the stress hormone. Yeah, yeah. And because we know through all our great teachers that we're being encouraged through meditation to move into a delineation of forms such as noradrenaline or cortisol so that by deep relaxation we move into alpha rhythms and as a result of alpha that wonderful state of combining the super coherence of left and right hemisphere we move into producing serotonin and oxytocin so we feel good we literally feel hormonally energies are being distributed throughout our body that make us feel alive, that make us feel vivid, that make us feel in joy, that make us feel thrilled, that make us feel delightful, that make us feel really sensual and sensorily turned on. And they make us feel as though we want to share this wonderful feeling of ecstasy with everybody that we meet, etc., etc. So, yes, we're on a we're on a tipping point at the moment, which is very, very crucial, and so therefore by using angelic sound meditations, we can change the light frequency of our body to incorporate more light, and therefore we become lighter beings, as we see in some of the celebrated beings of our spiritual community, somebody like His Holiness the Dalai Lama, 
is a bodhisattva, a living God. So when he walks into the room, the room lights up and he's full of joy, full of joy. Even though his peoples have experienced such tyranny and such hardship and you know have had to leave their homes often by moving away from Tibet but he will say happiness is a decision not a not a condition and and therefore he spends much of his day meditating and moving into alpha and feeling how serotonin and oxytocin move through him so he becomes literally a bundle of joy which is very childlike isn't it yes we were able uh, we saw him in person and it was he, he was just full of joy and and it just <laughs> made the whole room feel light. Yeah. Yeah. He's just so extraordinary. I adore him. I um I had the joy of sitting at his feet for about seven days a number of years ago Ooh. when he taught us the Bodhicitta and the doctrine of divine compassion. It was just amazing. Amazing, amazing, amazing. I want to be like the Dalai Lama. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you have trained some of the most accomplished business leaders, lawyers, and politicians. And um, after you go in some of these large workforces, what are the responses when people go into the realm where you are? Um, Are they able to maintain after you leave, and how do they feel about it, you know, as as they were being introduced to all of this? Wow, such rich questions. Well, of course, the landscape that we've been talking of, that I've been describing, has for many years been a secret language because many of our politicians, many of our corporate presidents, CEOs, that have required my assistance, that they're not used to this vocabulary and are very shaken by it because they tend to exist purely in the cerebral dominance of their being. And here we are talking about preternatural feelings, which are very difficult to confirm. And so up to this point, I've been quite silent about the preternatural side of my being, Except now there's a, there's a conversation through the vessels of self-empowerment and the fact that we're recognizing that many of us are not very well. And so rather than just running to our doctors and taking a load of drugs, that we're seeking complementary medicinal processes. So the, you know, the, the linguistic is beginning to open. People are becoming more aware of developing um, self-empowerment processes. That my my role is has always been to enable a leader, a captain of industry, to find their voice. It's interesting that these people are eminent and highly intelligent and often are extraordinary business people. But what this often means is that they're not aware of their bodies because they spend much of their time in their heads. And so there they are standing in front of a large group of people, feeling uneasy about standing in front of a large group of people. And when we feel uneasy in our bodies, we tend to become very tense and engage in repetitive idiosyncratic actions that often when we're sitting in the audience looking at people, 
that are involved in these idiosyncratic actions, we think, what on earth are they doing? Because it dismays the clarity of transmission in the communication process. So one of the things that I do is to make it easy for that individual. You know, wherever we go on the planet, there is a the understanding that public speaking is one of the greatest fears that we all experience, that more people are more terrified of public speaking than they are of dying. And most people have issues with dying. Um, so, you know, more people would, would rather be in the coffin than making the eulogy at the, at the funeral. Um, it's uh, the stress, stress statistics go more people are more, more fearful of public speaking than they are of dying, the termination of a major relationship whether that be divorce or, or death, uh, the buying of property, and shark attack, particularly on the Pacific <laughs> coastline. People are terrified of shark attacks, so that's a, a, a generic collective um, stress. So through um, processes to do with our breath, where breath is awakened, because obviously somebody who is experiencing the tensions that I'm referring to is holding their breath, because when we hold our breath, we leave our bodies, and um, when we breathe, we come back into our bodies. When we breathe deeply, we feel relaxed, and when we hold our breath, we feel very tense. Our muscles literally contract. And so I introduce the, these wonderful people to the breath and how breath relaxes and makes calm internal organs, and then how they can feel a harmony being produced in their voices because they feel that their voices have more center have more weight, have more power to communicate the flexibility of their statement. And particularly through the the length of the breath, you know, there's something very interesting about we human beings that whatever language we speak, we always have enough breath for the thought that we speak. And because of the acceleration of our speaking process today, our communication process, whether this be in speaking or writing, we're being encouraged to use sound bites. So in using sound bites, we're using very short thoughts. Of course, our consciousness is also dismayed by the fact that we're becoming increasingly more visual because of the Internet communication and information technology um, per se. So we're beginning to flicker with our thinking and make the thoughts very short, which means that we're literally... <laughs> breathing in very short breaths. We know this because when we look at literature that comes from the period beyond or before this time, that as we go further back to, let's say, the end of the 19th century, thoughts were much longer than the thoughts that we use today. So evidently people had more breath to communicate the thought. The further we go back, say, let's 400 years ago, to the period that I'm a specialist in, the medieval period, the post-medieval period, the period of Shakespeare, that the thoughts were even longer. So if somebody is to speak those thoughts, if an actor is to speak those thoughts, they need to, he or she needs to become a champion of the breath so that the breath feels very easy to be able to say, to be or not to be, that is the question, whether it is nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune or to fight against a sea of troubles and by opposing end them. It's all one thought. But what we tend to do today is we break it all up into to be or not to be. That is the question. Whether it is nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune or to fight against a sea of troubles and by opposing end them. And automatically it's very difficult to understand what's being said. 
Yeah. Does that make any sense? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and so as you're, um, as you're t- I, I encourage people to become very noble in the way that they use their voices so that they become immensely magnetic and full of gravitas. Magnetism is always created when we're using a very centered sound that has a lot of earth or gravity attached to it. As opposed to going there, you know, going up there where suddenly I sound a little bit stressed and uh, uh, most of the sound is just coming from my cerebral dominance and uh, and automatically you're going to think, oh, my God, when's he going to calm down? And once <laughs> I go back here to my notes, it suddenly feels so much more relaxing and magnetic. And I hope <laughs> maybe you'd say otherwise. I like your word flickering. <laughs> yeah, that is really charm. I, I know that a the people today, they uh, don't even email anymore. It's text. So there's just like a few words, and that's it. Mm. Yes. Uh, our, <laughs> our society is really <laughs> coming down in words. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, and I'm trying to encourage, because obviously electronic mail or text is, is a very useful device to communicate very quickly. But I'm trying to encourage everybody in their emailing and texting to at least leave the email or the SMS with a loving token, such as love or kiss or blessings or angel beams come in your direction or something, just so that we can remind ourselves of the tenderness of what the communication really is all about. Emails, you can't Mm -hmm. see that, so it's... uh, Great idea. Yeah. 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 Do you and have then any the transmission have any... of our love? Yeah. Sorry? Yeah. Oh, I was just going to ask if you had any angel stories where they participated in um, you wor- working with someone. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, they're, they, they're coming through all the time. So let me think. What can I tell you? What can I tell Ah, yes. I had a very interesting experience. Um, just two weeks ago when I came back from Egypt uh, and I was invited to spend some time with friends who live in the heart of the country. I actually live in the city of London and they live in the heart of the country and um, the time that I could get down was slightly later than the initial time they proposed. However, I drove down and as I was driving down, it was <clears throat> moving through the countryside, it was becoming darker and darker and darker. And I know the road very well, because I know I, they're very dear friends that I've known for years. But as I drove through this woodland area on this country road, I noticed that there was an intense beam of light in front of me, and I couldn't quite work out what it was until I got very close, and I realized that it was a stationary car, and that the driver was slumped over the steering wheel, And, of course, the headlights were on full beam. So I stopped my car, jumped out, ran across, and realized the man was having a heart attack. So I ran back to to my car, grabbed my cell phone, and dialed it to call emergency services, and started, as I was dialing and speaking to emergency services, I started walking back to this man's car, and I noticed that there was this extraordinary young man sitting in the passenger seat except 
you know, I was confused by this because when I when I ran over, there was nobody there, and the passenger door was now open, and there was this extraordinary man with this beautiful, beautiful aura. But there he was in a in a in a jacket with um, a hoodie and gloves. And then, as I got closer, I realised that his eyes were some of two of the most beautiful eyes that I've ever seen. This emanation of light pouring out of his eyes. He had one hand on the front. The man was now sitting up, not, no longer slumped over the steering wheel. One hand on the front of this man's chest. The other hand on the rear. And I said, "What are you doing?" And there was no answer, just this emanation of extraordinary love. And in this moment, I heard the emergency services. And what went through my consciousness was, what? That was fast. Because we <laughs> all know how long it takes emergency services. But so the, 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 this was two minutes after my call. And the emergency service. So I ran to flag down the ambulance turned around, and there was nobody there, just the man who had had the heart attack, who was now beginning to recover. So my sense was that this was an angel. And so I immediately, you know, I dealt with the 3D issue of the gentleman who was having the heart attack and, and putting him into the ambulance and calling his wife and the children and so forth, dealt with all of that. And then, you know, half an hour later, I was in my own car, calling my friend, saying, I'm so sorry, I'm going to be late, <laughs> feeling a little <laughs> bit shaken by the whole thing, uh, and thought, who was this? And I heard Michael's soul call. Oh, and this like was an emanation of Michael. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I got it. oh wow, I really got a chill there. <laughs> So you are a medium also, I think I read somewhere. And uh, uh, Well, yeah, I mean, I've worked as a clairvoyant for many, 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 for 40 years. So, um, and when the angels came through, um, people call me an angel medium. I don't really know what that means. I suppose that means that I'm a conduit that, like so many of us, that... Um, opens the possibility of bringing through the angels' counsel. So, yes. So, um, I mean, I'm really just Stuart, you know. <laughs> but there are different <laughs> forms that people use to describe what I do. The term Master of Voice was given to me by the wonderful Mark Rylance, who was the first artistic director of Shakespeare's Globe, which is a very unique project that he uh, was asked to help create. Um, we'll see him very soon on the silver screen because he's starring in a Steven Spielberg movie, uh, which I think is coming out later this year. And so, yeah, so, you know, that title is given. And then sound people call me a sound healer because I don't believe that sound needs healing. I believe that sound can be used to heal us, as we've been suggesting. And then angel mediums, bringing through the teachings of these angels. So, you know, as, as listeners will see from the website, particularly from the com, I produced a number of books. The Alchemy of Voice is there as the, as the initial text. All of this work is about how we can move into the very center of our being 
into our soul's council, which, of course, is the seat of the soul is the heart. And so my second book is called The Heart's Note. If words arise from the heart, they enter the heart. If words arise from the tongue alone, they don't pass beyond the ears. So we move deep into the Congress of the Heart. And then I wrote a book called The Angels of Atlantis. And then my fourth book is The Angels and the Keys to Paradise, which is an extraordinary experience that I had in Egypt in meeting the high priest I, who was the high priest of Akhenaten and Tutankhamun. And in visiting his tomb at the beginning of 2013, he came to me and spoke. Um, which was quite extraordinary for all the people who were there because we all received his blessing. And uh, obviously there was a huge amount of information which I then spent time in meditation and seeking holy men in Egypt to discover more about who was I and what were the teachings. And so that's how I discovered the keys to paradise. The keys to paradise are literally keys that are used rather like we use the chakra to open up certain developmental energies within our process so that we become better people, that we become more enlightened, we become more joyous, and therefore our creative energy becomes much easier to create. Um, The process in in Egypt is known as the process of Osirification, which is very similar to the Kundalini awakening. And so the great temples, the sacred sanctuaries, of Egypt along the Nile, as I was saying earlier, are literally portals where, when we visit them, they open up a particular chakra. So the base chakra is opened by the Temple of Isis down in in Aswan, and it rises all the way up to Cairo in the Great Pyramid, and the King's Chamber of the Great Pyramid opens up the very high-frequency energies of the seventh chakra and the eighth and the ninth and the tenth and the eleventh and the twelfth. So on the retreat, we all have an opportunity of literally being, I hire the pyramid for two hours from the authorities, and we do ceremony, sonic ceremony, in the well of the the pyramid, and then we go to the king's chamber, and everybody has the opportunity of lying in the sarcophagus, and as it were, dying to the old problems, and being reborn into the divine blueprint. It's an extraordinary ceremony where we chant for about an hour, in in the very womb of the earth, it seems, which is the king's chamber. It's the omphalus, the nave of the planet. So very, very powerful. It is. It You're is. being so kind to me, letting me speak on and on and on. <laughs> well, when I was in Egypt, uh, we went to where uh, Isis was before it was moved, the Temple of Isis. Yes. Yes. And uh and when I was on it was just like a little island of rocks or whatever when we were on there I just had tears coming down my eyes. I couldn't stop crying. So mm-hmm. I don't know what that was all about, but I think it had something to do with ISIS, but so you're saying that the first chakra. Yeah, I, I I just love going. I love taking people to the Temple of ISIS in Aswan and Philae. I think it's just so extraordinary. You know, for the for those of you who haven't been, the only way to get there is to get into a boat and to sail across. And, of course, as soon as we get into the Nile water, the undines, the spirit of the waters come, and they cleanse us. So I'm often asking my people to take Nile water into their hands and to just wash their aura 
with the water just as it drips from our hands. And then, as you were saying, as soon as we enter the temple, I don't know, very rare is it for people not to weep because there's a feeling of just being able to bathe in the Divine Mother, that the Divine Mother allows us to yield and surrender to her complete unconditional love. Oh, gosh, it's so beautiful. I feel as though we're caressed by those energies, almost as though we're being caressed by silk. And, um, yeah, we, we, we do a very powerful ceremony for the base chakra so that we begin to understand why we chose to be born of our mothers and how we were encouraged to reach a sense of our own identity through our mother's love, whether whether it was challenged or whether it was liberated. We we there are certain messages that come to us in terms of our karma that are brought by Isis. So for me we begin to understand what the gene of Isis is, which we call Genesis. The genesis of our being is the gene of Isis. This power that there is within the divine feminine if we can just simply let go, and of course many of us find it very difficult to be vulnerable and just let go, so we have to control, control, control. <laughs> so I'm glad you had that experience. It's just so beautiful, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yes. And, um, you know, the interesting thing is, of course, you've referred to the fact that the site where the original temple was was underwater, so they've moved it to um, a few meters away, 20 meters away, onto another island. And for me, it feels as though the energies are working in a very co-creative way. I don't feel, oh, the temple's been uprooted. Do you? Did you? No, no. Mm-mm. Yeah, yeah. It still feels just exquisite. I've, I, you know, my people have taken amazing photographs of orbs in the Temple of Isis. And there, there's one orb photograph that I have, which is on the website of thealchemyvoice.com, where there's an orb suspended in the temple of trajan um which is in the shape of a heart just beautiful i was going to ask you if you you saw many orbs in the temples so it sounds like you do oh so many so many so many and you know i i I see them and then somebody takes a photograph and there they are so i mean it's even more gratified (laughs) when we when we were there for december the 21st 2012 the manifestation of orbs was just electrifying. You know, in many of the temples, as you know, we, one's not allowed to take any photographs, and you're told to leave your cameras or, you know, your cell phones mustn't be used. And one of my people was very discreetly just holding her cell phone, her Samsung cell phone on video, and we were seeing the orbs like torrential rain just pouring through the air. <sighs> So it's always a good oh. indication for me because I'm seeing them and nobody else is seeing them and then they see them on the video. So, yes, we've taken lots and lots and lots of photographs. Let us take just a moment, Paula, and uh, give out Stuart Pierce's website. Um, of course, it's Stuart Pierce, P-E-A-R-C-E dot com. And, um, and then the other one is the Alchemy of Voice dot com. Is there a third one? I thought you said there yeah, was the, another the one. Theangelsofatlantis.com. The, okay, theangelsofatlantis.com. Okay. Um, yeah. And, you know, I really like to, to ask you, there's some CDs, and our listeners 
um, probably would love to have the music and the tones. Is there anyone in particular that you would suggest? Um, one of uh, any of the CDs. Any of the Is CDs. That what you're okay. Yes. Uh huh. Um, they're all so fine. I wouldn't know what to say. <laughs> I knew you were going to say you know, that. They're, they're sequential. <laughs> that was um, a strange question. But there are CDs, so that people can pull into tones and sound mm, and be, mm. um, you know, it, embellished and <laughs> fused, infused with some awesome um, music in their lives and mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. being able to rest and be blessed and feel the energies. Mm, also, we want absolutely. to remind we, we want to remind everybody that Stuart is going to be at the LA Conscious Life Expo, LAX Hilton, on February eighth. The uh, Conscious, uh, and you're going to speak uh, which day? Or is it on the eighth also? It's on on the yes. I I'm speaking at ten o'clock in the morning and then two o'clock in the afternoon on February the eighth. Yeah, and we'll have a booth. So booth three zero four C. So I'll be there all the time, meeting people oh, with books and CDs <laughs> <laughs> that we've been talking about today. So we want to thank you so much for being with us today. We've enjoyed this hour. It's just gone by so quickly. Wow, Stuart, it really. Uh, Life is spontaneously magnificent, and it ignites our soul every second to fly with love and joy. And you certainly have brought that to us today. It's fabulous. It's a never-ending gift that you bring to others, and we are really so thankful that you're that you're there. It's a really a blessing. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, and and similarly, thank heavens that you were there for me to be able to speak. It's. Um, I feel, you know, I've reached a point in my life where I'm actually really charged with that that I came here to be and do, and I'm having an absolute ball. So thank you, thank you, thank you for understanding that, you know, letting me be who I am rather than having to be something else, you know, because much of my life has been not necessarily able to speak so openly about the angels. And now I can. And thank you for allowing me to do that. Yes. (laughs) Bless you. you. Thank you so much. And have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. You You too. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.